Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome back to another episode of Fandom Power. We're kicking off our third season with a bang, though. Uh, spooky season may be over according to the calendar, but for some, it's a year-round thing. And uh, we had hoped to drop this episode before Halloween, but things didn't line up and such. But uh, like Cheech said in Ghostbusters 2, Better late than never. That's right. Uh, in 2018, there was a little shop at the corner of Walton and Queen Streets in Port Hope, Ontario, called Maggie Moose Fresh Fudge and Gift Boutique. They once served a flavor of fudge there called Pennywise. It was pretty darn good. I got a chance to pick up some when me and my daughter ventured down there to investigate the ongoing stuff at Port Hope back in 2018. Uh, you can't find them in Port Hope anymore, but that's because they've moved to Medford, New Jersey. Wait, the, the fudge people? The fudge people have moved. Oh, wow. I, I had thought at first wrongly that like they'd gone down to COVID. Okay. After doing some research on the internet, it turns out they just moved. So really you can still go find them if you're right so penny to track pennywise fudge is probably still a thing i would hope so it's really good new jersey but it's that fudge that leads us onward here because it took us a couple weeks to finish that multicolored block of fudge but when we were done what was left behind was unmistakable oh yeah. oh wow yeah <laughs> the remnants on the wrapper spelled out two letters i and t that's and, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Do you think they did that intentionally then? I don't think so, because it was just random cut marks from us cutting off chunks at a time. Oh, wow. So I'm thinking, did they wrap it at the store and did they apply some kind of like gelatin or something, of, right? That would make it the residual kind of stick in that pattern. But maybe. man, that's like, yeah, it was pretty oh. cool. To see. <laughs> By the way. Um, you know how not a horror fan I am. I do know that. Okay, so like I'm already, the creep factor is already <laughs> coming up for me. But uh, that's where we're going tonight. So tonight, springing forth out of our on-location video series, in the spirit of haunted ghost walks, horror movies, and terrifying monsters, we're going to be chasing Pennywise. He is the main antagonist from Stephen King's 1986 novel, It, and Pennywise the Dancing Clown is only one of the forms that the shape-shifting creature known as a glamour takes on during his battles with the Losers Club in the fictional town of Derry, Maine. Cool. So uh, we're going to follow in its footsteps as we take our tour of some of the real-world shooting locations used for It and It Chapter 2. For those of you who may not know, a whole lot of the scenes were shot very close together geographically in the town of Port Hope, Ontario. 
There were also a handful of scenes shot just down the road on the 401 in Oshawa, uh, as well as Pickering, Ajax, Toronto, and Hamilton. But here we're going to focus mainly on the Port Hope locations with a couple of Oshawa locations peppered in for good measure. Very cool. Now, I was lucky enough to visit the haunted house set in Oshawa when they were filming it back in 2016. Uh, oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, I got to take my yeah, daughter yeah. down and she was nowhere near old enough to see the movie at the time. No. So it didn't mean as much, but now she can look back on it and say, yeah, I was there. Has she watched the movie since? She has finally watched the movie. And is she a fan? She is. Oh, that's good. Very much. Of course, when they returned for chapter two, we made the right. journey down to Oshawa again, and she was a few years older. Right. Uh, but this time around, we actually managed to make it to Port Hope and see Derry in all its glory. Oh, wow. So for us here, I figured the best way to chase Pennywise was to match up the chronological locations as they appear in the film. Oh, really? So with that in mind... We catch up with Mike Hanlon for our first location at timestamp in the film, 18 minutes and 47 seconds. And he's riding his bike down Main Street towards the Quality Meats Butcher Shop. This is, in fact, actually the top of Walton Street facing east down to the downtown core. It doesn't take long, though, as we find him at 18 minutes and 55 seconds pulling up in front of Quality Meats. Uh, but... Very quickly, he spots Henry Bowers and ducks down the alleyway. Now, the site of Quality Meats was Gould's Footwear, located at 26 Walton Street, but it has since changed owners and now operates under the name Shoes. They sell footwear for the whole family. Interesting that they turned a uh, shoe store into a butcher. <laughs> well, they only actually turned half of it into the butcher shop. Right. Because it, it's a double-wide store, and oh, they okay. only used up half of it. So Interesting. That was neat. But... Uh, Returning to our tour here, as Mike ducks down the alley at 19 minutes and six seconds, we get our first glimpse of the southern view from the alleyway. And this particular alley is going to come into play multiple times throughout both films. And you can spot the Capitol Theater right across the intersection. But we'll talk about that particular location in a little bit. Seconds later, we find Mike heading down towards the back delivery door of the actual alleyway beside Quality Meats. And at 19 minutes and 24 seconds, we get our first view of this door, which was specifically added for the film. The building owners, they actually decided to keep it. And it's still there, fully intact. And uh, you can go visit it, get your photo ops. But recently, yep. the folks in Port Hope ran a charity fundraiser in support of Soul Dancers Charity where folks could come in, pose in front of the door with a Pennywise. I always like that, you know, when when uh, film productions go into uh, towns like that and they spend like all kinds of money. Yeah. And they want to they want to alter a building or they want to build something and how like a lot of communities have made like a, a tourist industry around that. Like, no, no, just leave it in place when you're yeah. done and we'll maintain it. Yeah. Um, and it works to draw people in. And clearly that's working for Port Hope. Absolutely. <laughs> that's cool. We got uh, more info on that coming in a little bit. But next up. We jump ahead now to 24 minutes and 24 seconds where we find the first four members of the Losers Club riding into town on their bikes. And this scene was filmed at the corner of Pine and Augusta Streets. And in the first instance, the camera's facing west. 
but in the very next shot, it's facing east down towards the Ganaraska River and Queen Street. Uh, the town hall is very visible at the end of the street, and off to the left of this shot is the Hotel Carlisle, which will be used as the dairy townhouse in Chapter 2. Next up, we get a really brief glimpse of the Dairy Public Library at 24 minutes and 33 seconds. It'll come up again multiple times, but this is the first instance of it. Standing in for the library is actually Port Hope's Town Hall at 56 Queen Street. The interior shots were filmed elsewhere, but the outside is unmistakable. After Ben's first encounter with the shape-shifting glamour, he exits the library for our next location. At 28 minutes and 32 seconds, Ben walks by the Cenotaph where he's jumped by Henry Bowers and his goons. Uh, since filming, though, they've upgraded the ground surrounding the Cenotaph, but the monument itself remains the same. Even though the sets were dressed in all American flags and lots of, uh, you know, Americana, if you will. Right, right. You can still read the inscription on the side. And it reads, in honored memory of the men of Port Hope and Hope Township who died for King and Country in the Great War. In the Great War. What's interesting, though, I mean, look at how they did. Um, there was a Christmas movie that came out last year that they filmed. What's the t Santa's Village? Not Perry Sound. No. Bracebridge. Bracebridge, yes. They kept the Bracebridge name. They just called it Bracebridge whatever state. Hmm. So I suspect that that's... Oh, no, wait. They changed the name of the town for this movie. Yeah, it's right. Dairy, Maine. Dairy, Maine. Oh, yeah. wow. That's interesting. But, you know... Uh, it's a minor thing, I it, suppose. It but still, where continuity is, is concerned, that's an interesting find. Mm -hmm. But for our next one... After Bill, Eddie, Richie, and Stan find Ben bloody and beaten after his encounter with Bowers, we see them exiting the Barrens onto Main Street at 36 minutes and four seconds. Once again, though, we find ourselves on Walton Street, and this time we're looking west. Uh, the dairy sign that is all visible up on side of the building was digitally added. So that's oh, wow. one piece they did not physically add to the place. Isn't that that thing, though, about uh, CGI and, and uh, when it's good, you don't notice it? Yep. Yeah. It doesn't take long, and a few seconds later, at 36 minutes and 20 seconds, we find the boys riding back into that alleyway beside Quality Meats, where we find the mural depicting the end of the Bradley gang. It's here that they will patch up Ben, and Beverly will first join the Losers Club. Now, this mural, it was painted on the side of the building specifically for the film, and scenes were shot. Then they painted in Pennywise, adding him to it, and you can see that at 40 minutes and 23 seconds. But then they painted over him, removing him again, from the painting so just like the delivery door yeah the mural is still there without a pennywise sans pennywise yeah so you can go find that is the outline there like can you see an outline of where uh, he was he was hiding in the wheel well so you know where he was oh, but okay like, there's okay. no outline or anything it's just a okay flat black that's space fair. there that's fair. next up We find the kids next inside Keen's pharmacy looking for supplies to patch up Ben. We won't get to see the outside of the building until chapter two, but we're treated to multiple interior shots here. It's real world counterpart is really the nooks located at 68 Walton street. What do they do there? Uh, they do gifts and uh, other items there at the nooks. So if you need a gift while you're in town, pop by there. It'd be interesting to go down there and, and see how much um, uh, it related Marches in there. It would be. That's one of the spots I didn't actually go into. Is that right? Eh? But like 
when I returned in 2018. Yeah. You know, you weren't allowed in because no, it was no, close set, fully dressed set, closed set. But yeah, it so. makes sense. Makes sense. Sorry, Jesus, yeah. makes set. <laughs> they did make the set. Makes sense on a closed set. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Now, after the kids make their break from the pharmacy at uh, 38 minutes and 49 seconds, we find Bill waiting on the sidewalk for Beverly, and again, he's at the mouth of that alleyway, staring west up Walton Street. We do get the reverse shot, though, with Beverly walking towards the camera, and it's crazy to think that you can literally retrace the actor's steps around town. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I've been through Port Hope. Uh, we've been through there together. Yeah. And when you realize how small the town really is and, you know, the, the term Hollywood magic really does apply when you're reusing the same location, which is maybe just just a few meters in size yep. you film it from another angle and suddenly it it's looks like a different place yeah different yeah interesting so at 46 minutes and 24 seconds we leave port hope only briefly for our oshawa end of the tour and we find this one at the end of fisher street it's here we find the location of ben hanscom's house and if you travel there now the house that was used for the stand in is Ben's house has undergone some massive renovations. It's pretty much unrecognizable, unrecognizable as the wow. same house, but the Albert street bridge that crossed over Fisher remains the same. And you know, some other right, elements right. are still fully intact there. Cool. Continuing our side trip into Oshawa at 48 minutes and 20 seconds, we catch up with Eddie Kasprak as he rounds the corner onto Niebold street. The building he walks by is actually the Refuge Youth Outreach Center located at the corners of Court Street and Berry Avenue. The whole Losers Club will eventually round the same corner later on in the film, so it does get repeated. One of the spookiest locations in the film is up next, and still in Oshawa, there's not a whole lot left to see if you go there now. But at the corner of James Street and Eulalie Avenue, you will find the lot that where in August of 2016, the crew physically constructed the terrifying house at 29 Niebold Street. We first see the house in all its glory at 48 minutes and 58 seconds in the film. It was featured heavily in the trailers, but the interiors were shot elsewhere. Was the, the house featured on like some of the posters? I don't believe so. It was pretty much just the hand with the balloon. Just and the hand. Okay. But. For chapter one, they did build the entire outside of the building. Yep. and uh, Like just the front? Oh, no. A full-on building. Oh, wow. All four sides. But for chapter two, they didn't go that far, but we'll talk about that later. Now we return to Port Hope for our first look at the exterior of the apartment of Beverly Marsh. At uh, 59 minutes and 29 seconds, we find Beverly out on the fire escape and uh, it's this particular fire escape that is attached to the back of the building located at 16 Walton Street, which is the home of Queenie's Bake Shop. We'll get to them later, too, but uh, the losers will also pass by this spot multiple times throughout the film. Next up on our tour, we jump ahead to one hour, seven minutes and 34 seconds, just after the apocalyptic rock fight. We find the losers exiting the Barrens now seven strong with the addition of Mike Hanlon. And this particular scene was shot just off of John Street between Hayward and Alexander Streets. It's a little bit further away from the downtown core, but it's still in Port Hope. 
And if you go there today, you'll notice not a whole lot because there is a lot of construction going on as you look east, as the film did. But the CP rails are still in their spots and they're still in full swing with trains passing by regularly. Well, you know what it's like to live in, in Canada. Yeah. We have two seasons, right? Yeah. Winter and construction. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it the same everywhere? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. For our next scene, we're going back over to Queen Street. At one hour, eight minutes and eight seconds, we find the newly cemented group of losers looking at missing kid posters in the alleyway that's directly across from the Capitol Theater. Richie dances around in the street messing with some members of a marching band. And Eddie comes back from the dairy scoop with two ice cream cones. Now, this alleyway is located between 7 and 9 Queen Street. And the alley, it appears a whole lot longer than it actually is. In reality, it's fairly short. Again, Hollywood magic and camera angles, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many times can we make this kid walk up and down this alley? Basically. (laughs) We need more steps. (laughs) Same thing's going on next here, too. Oh. The kids then move down the street to continue their discussion about the killer clown and all his forms. And at one hour, eight minutes and 54 seconds, we get our first close look at the Paul Bunyan statue. This particular statue was brought in by the studio for both films. It's a replica of the actual statue that finds its home down in Bangor, Maine. Oh, wow. The official address for this scene is 44 Queen Street. And you can still see the faint markings on the ground where the statue stood. Oh, that's pretty cool. So not only is it there in uh, film land, but still some slightly physical remnants. Yeah, yeah. But that's not all. If you turn and face away from the statue, you'll see the historic Memorial Park band shell. But this is no prop. It's a permanent fixture in the park. Appearing at one hour, nine minutes and eight seconds, it was dressed in red, white and blue ribbons and flags and banners of all sorts for the films. You can still see live musical performance here when you go to Port Hope. That's cool. Now, I got a chance to talk with one of the locals, Chris Jiggins, at the band shell. And he is the curator of the Instagram account Discover Dairy Maine. Let's have a listen. We'll start with your name and... Sure. Uh, my name is Chris. Um, I created the Discover Dairy Instagram account. Um, I, st- I think I created it in 2018 between the, uh, the two films. Basically, once the, uh, the location scouts came back into town, we um, figured they were coming back. So I... Uh, started taking pictures of some of the original locations to share with uh, the fans, basically. Very cool. So, uh, the director's sister actually follows you on Instagram. Yes, Barbara, and, and Andy as Does well. Does he as well? Yeah, oh, very um, cool. She, I guess she followed me around the time I was taking those pictures because she must have liked the town when she was here the first time, and uh, she started following that, and... Um, Andy as well. Um, again, I think they really had a good time the first time they were here, and they probably like seeing some different locations. I'm assuming. Um, so yeah, that was exciting. And you managed to get yourself a walk-on role as an extra, did you not? Yes. Um, I was taking pictures at the time, and I was also taking pictures of the. There's a massive lineup over at the old Canadian Tire for the extras casting call, and I think I must have posted a story or something, but. Um, a few days later, I got a message uh, from Barbara um, to send uh, just some contact information if I wanted to be in it. 
Uh, about a week later, I got a call from the extras people. They wanted me to be ready for uh, September because they were going to shoot uh, carnival, and they just basically didn't tell you kind of what to wear and things like that. So I, I got to be in that, and with that, I um, some random things happened, and I managed to become a paramedic because I fit the outfit. Apparently, they. They didn't remember that the paramedics were needed in one of the scenes, and I was in the right place at the right time. And I got to be a paramedic, which was fun because I was kind of interacting with some of the, uh, the other actors on the set, some of the other extras, just kind of watching how um, scenes were shot. And uh, knowing the book, it was interesting to be a part of that uh, that scene. Very cool. Um, you also run the local bookstore, do you not? Uh, yes, I co-run a couple of colleagues uh, Furby House Books just downtown uh, it's a lot of fun to bring books into town I kind of like to curate some of the uh, the horror and the genre stuff um, I know there's a lot of people who visit uh, for the for the filming to see the sites and uh, they're fans of, of horror so it's fun to interact with them and meet people and yeah so that's my and I'm, uh, I work at the library as well so everything's books <laughs> very cool uh, so people can reach out and find you on Instagram. Uh, any other socials you'd like them to? Uh, that's basically it. Discovered Dairy Maine, I think, is what it is on, on Instagram. And I don't, uh, I don't really post as much anymore. I kind of, I just follow all sorts of things. But I think um, with the new show in, on HBO Max, Welcome to Dairy. I, I nobody knows if they're coming back. We're assuming they're going to come back. So once that starts up again, I'll probably uh, be more active on Instagram. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. It's a great little account if you want to go check it out at uh, Discover Dairy Main on Instagram. So that uh, he said something very interesting in that um, HBO Max series? It's quite possible that series uh, or they'll be film? returning. I believe series. Series. Interesting. Welcome, Welcome to, to Dairy. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's set uh, back in the 60s, so oh, 27 really? years prior to when the losers first uh, encounter him. Oh, man. So, you know, that there's a good chance. Now, Port Hope does have a quaintness about it. I mean, it does. could they redress it to make it look uh, 40, 50 years uh, different? Well, I actually. Oh, it wouldn't have to take too much. I mean, the buildings have been around for considerably. Some of them have been around a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Real quick here, we're going to jump back over to Oshawa, so. Moving on at one hour, 15 minutes and 29 seconds, uh, back in Oshawa, we find uh, the fully dressed end of James Street with all the dead and grass and abandoned cars. The losers arrive following Bill's lead for the first showdown with Pennywise, and things do not go as planned as they part ways for a while afterwards. When we next catch up with the losers, Pennywise has taken Beverly, so it's time to get the rest of the gang back together. And with that, now seems like a good time to dial in on the Capitol Theater. Sure, you get glimpses of it before, here and there, now in the background. But this time, we find Bill going inside to find Richie. At 1 hour, 39 minutes and 4 seconds into the film, he runs into the lobby, which was converted into an arcade. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, located at 20 Queen Street. The Capitol Theater is one of Canada's last atmospheric theaters. And though you won't find any arcade games in the lobby now, you will find a thriving hub of art and culture. And to uh, your thought there, fun fact, 
the letterboard marquee on the sign. Yep. It was added over top of the actual digital marquee to give it that vintage. Oh, 1989 wow. Feel. <laughs> That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. So they can dress backwards. Yeah, I guess so. Eh? Uh, Eagle eyed viewers will also spot something else when Bill is running into the theater. It's the city of Derry tourism office, but it's actually just the rebranded Port Hope tourism office. And it shares the same address at 20 Queen Street with the Capitol Theater. They're in the same building. Yeah. That's interesting that they kept that aspect the same. Yeah. I, I like that. So we'll dial in on that location a little bit. But while visiting the area to film all uh, these locations, we had a chance to speak with the Port Hope Tourism Ambassador, Karen O'Hara. So let's give a listen to that. We'll start with your name and... Okay. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Karen O'Hara, and I'm very pleased to say that I am an ambassador for the municipality of Port Hope, Port Hope and District Chamber of Commerce Tourism and Visitor Information Center. That's a long title. And with me today is Pennywise, and she is in a cup that says, I love Port Hope. And we have to say, when it was being filmed, the population of Port Hope is 16,500, and it was amazing to see so many people here and change up our storefronts, and it was an incredible experience. Uh, Stephen King was in town, and he had lunch with Mayor Bob Sanderson. From that, we have organized an actual walking tour and so many people have come in this summer for the walking tour brochure. It is online, but they still like to come in and get the, the visual part of it. And the tour starts right next door at the Capitol Theater Marquee. And we've had people from literally all over the world this summer come in. I'm going to say they probably just didn't come to Canada from overseas to come to Port Hope. I'm sure there's other reasons, but very grateful that they did make their way to Port Hope. One couple came from the Netherlands, and this was their first stop here. One young lady, she celebrated her 16th birthday in Port Hope. That's all she wanted from her parents was to come to Port Hope, and uh, they traveled from Calgary. So that was very exciting. Part of the history of Port Hope is each year, a ceramic tile is uh, made, and uh, Back in 2018, I had to sign a contract with Warner Brothers in order for the IT tile to be produced. And uh, your daughter, Harley, lovely young lady, I would like to offer her. This is the second last one in a series. And it's a piece of history of Port Hope. And when the IT movie was filmed here at the Capitol Theater, you can't get any better advertising than to have Stephen King come onto the big screen and thank the residents of Little Port Hope, Ontario, Canada for allowing them to film here. That's the best advertising you can get. And hopefully another sequel will come upon us soon and we will be ready for it. Excellent. I know you didn't get a walk-on role, but a lot of locals <coughs> did, is yes. what I'm told. Mm -hmm. um, so the request went out through our film liaison officer in Port Hope 
for um, people to be called extras and people traveled from all over Canada and the United States and the lineup at a building just down the street uh, in Port Hope it was lined up I believe there was about a 10-hour waiting to, to uh, hopefully hopefully to get to sign up to be an extra and there's people that come from all over Canada and the States who are actually been in the movie, uh, they still feel that it's very special in their hearts and they still come to visit, which is awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So if folks want to get more information, where can they find that? Well, um, you can certainly give us a call at the Visitor Information Center. The Port Open District Chamber of Commerce um, organizes that. Our phone number is 905-885-2004, or you can go on to our Port Hope Tourism website. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. That's pretty interesting that they had to uh, get merchandising rights to yeah. uh, to produce that, but that's cool. Yeah, you want to talk about? I mean, we're collector people. We are a limited collectible that was only obtainable in one place in the world. Yep, and there's only 150 of them. You couldn't order it online. You had to go there and physically get it. That makes it pretty. I mean, for an it fan, that's got to be. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool keepsake. I would say so. I just I thought that was cool about. I had to sign a contract. Oh, yeah. you had to get merchandising rights. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. We didn't go into the tourism office looking for an interview, but no, I no. am I ever glad we walked through those doors. And you you came back with a copy of the walking tour uh, brochure. Yeah. Um, I'm flipping through it here. Uh, it's fairly detailed. There's it a, is. there's a great little map. Um, it could serve as an adjunct to this video. If you wanted to do the walking tour, you could uh, take the brochure out and, and do the walking tour and you could have our video playing on your phone. Basically. Yeah. Unfortunately for the next scene though, uh, it's not on the walking tour because we're jumping back over to Oshawa. Well, maybe it's a bit of a driving tour. A little bit. <laughs> They're not that far away. No. It's at one hour, 40 minutes and 48 seconds that we see the losers again en route to 29 Kneebolt Street via Court Street and Barry Avenue for their final showdown with Pennywise. But once they arrive at that haunted mansion, they enter with no debate and we spot Henry Bowers in the blue Trans Am just off to the side of the street at one hour, 41 minutes and 41 seconds. He's actually parked on Eulalie Avenue. So really close. Yeah. But uh, with that, we close out chapter one. But just like Pennywise returning 27 years later, so too did the actors, directors, and production crew when they returned to Port Hope to film It Chapter 2. Dun, dun, dun. Now, after a brief recap gets us up to speed, we check in at 2 minutes and 22 seconds in Chapter 2, and we get a great overhead shot of the Dairy Carnival Days Fairground. It's located at 74 Queen Street, and this spot usually functions as a parking lot right next to the Port Hope Town Hall. It will appear multiple times throughout Chapter 2, but this opening scene is our first glimpse of it. In a parking lot. In a parking oh, lot. That's cool. Fully converted. And uh, it just happened that at the time they were filming, they were also running the Port Hope Fair. So people oh, wow. were getting confused because it's fully dressed. It looks and it like, looks like a carnival. It did, yeah. <laughs> Do we go to the the movie carnival or the carnival carnival? Yeah. Well, there were signs out front of the carnival saying this is a movie set. Go to the other yeah. one. 
I got that's, a shot of that one. That's got to be confusing. I can't imagine being the guy like that's controlling. Like, no, sir, you need to turn around. <laughs> well, there was security patrolling the place. So, okay, cool. Right on the heels of the carnival, we follow Adrian Mellon and Don Haggerty onto the site of Adrian's looming demise. This bridge is directly across from the carnival location, so there's no camera trickery here. At four minutes and seven seconds, we catch sight of what is actually the Robertson Street Bridge. And the film adaptation of the novel is fairly accurate here because he's beaten down and then thrown over the bridge into the river. But next up. You might think that they would just continue using this spot for the next scene showing at six minutes and 56 seconds. But Adrian takes his last breath, not under the Robertson Street Bridge, but further up the Ganaraska River, just past the Walton Street Bridge. It's understandable to think it was filmed at the other bridge just because they cut back and forth so quick All right. from Adrian and Pennywise to Dawn. But the shots with Dawn, he's clearly under the Robertson Street Bridge. Right. But the rock formations, unmistakable as the ones further upriver. Right. Now, just after Adrian is killed, the railway track above the Robertson Street Bridge is full of red balloons. But when grown-up Mike Hanlon comes to investigate at 8 minutes and 50 seconds, there's only fleeting evidence left of their presence. But the central pillar of the bridge has the message, come home, come home, come home, scrawled on it in blood. This angle is visible from a small park right beside the bridge located at the corner of Mill Street South and Robertson Street. We skip ahead now in the film to 44 minutes and 29 seconds, and we get our first look at the exterior of the Dairy Townhouse, where the grown-up losers are staying during their return visit. This is actually the Hotel Carlisle and Restaurant located at 86 John Street. It's just up the street from the Port Hope Town Hall. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the interiors of the townhouse were filmed at the Masonic Scottish Rite Club in Hamilton, but uh, all the exteriors are shot right there in Port Hope. So if you're visiting Port Hope, you can actually book yourself a room there, stay a while, and, or you can just stop by for a meal. Oh, cool. Either way, you know, go check them out online at uh, hotelcarlisle.ca. In the wee hours of the morning, the losers venture out into Derry to find their tokens. And at 54 minutes and 42 seconds, they venture towards the Walton Street Bridge, and we get a good shot of the front of Queenie's Bake Shop. We've seen it before as the losers pass by on the side on the way to Beverly's apartment in the first film, but this is our first look at the front. Located at 16 Walton Street, Queenie's served as more than just a background location. Uh, I had a chance to sit down with the owner of Queenie's, Adam Pearson, and he shared some insight as to what else Queenie's was involved in for the two films. Start with your name and oh sure, Adam Pearson, Queenie's Bake Shop. And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys were used as like a casting slash catering setup during uh, one of the films. So yes and yes. Um, so I used well, they used my store in the movie itself. Uh, there's a bunch of scenes around, so especially in the second movie, you can see the Queenie's Bake Shop in a bunch of the scenes, uh, especially when they're doing the boys are back in town type thing as they're crossing the bridge here. You can see Queenie's, and then in the first movie and the second movie, Beverly's apartment. Yes. When they come out the back, it's my back door here. Nice. So that's my staircase there, or my uh, my fire escape there. Uh, on top of that, both movies, 
I closed down the store for a period of time, and I allowed them to use my store as a cast room so they could get out of the spotlight, basically. So they, uh, so we just came in here, and we all hung out in here and just had a good time. Very cool. Um, now, when we were talking online, you mentioned you guys yourself walk-on role as well? Yeah, well, so what had happened was Kay, the, um, the, like, the casting director, she would come in every day for her lunch, and, you know, we just became friends from chatting and stuff, and uh, the one day, I guess this was on the Friday, she was saying that she had openings for anybody that wanted to get on um, for the Monday, and it was the carnival scene. Now, we had already done some background in previous scenes, just, you know, doing whatever, but uh, I asked my staff, if anybody wants to get into it, let me know, I'll post on the store that day, and, you know, let them go in. So, they all wanted to. So, uh, so Kay got us all in, and uh, we were doing the carnival scene as James McAvoy goes running in to try to save the uh, the, the young one. Well, I, when I was doing it, I didn't really go into the tent like everybody else did, the, the holding tent or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I was coming back to the store. So what I had done is I had made uh, t-shirts that were a Welcome to Dairy t-shirt that had uh, Queenies on it and then Pennywise in the window. And I made a Georgie out front and all that kind of stuff. And I had made up hundreds of them. And I was handing them out to all the cast and the crew as a thanks for coming to Port Hope type thing. So I was coming back to grab them for the... Uh, the, the, the kid actors and as I'm coming Andy who is the director of the movie uh, he came out and he saw me so he came over to chat uh, Andy and I became pretty good friends uh, throughout um, and his sister Barbara too so Andy came out and chatted and he's like oh what are you up to and I was like oh I'm just going to get the shirts for the kids and uh, he's like oh okay great and I was like and I'm going to be in your movie this afternoon and he's like oh what you doing and I was like oh I'm doing background over at the thing he's like oh I'm going to get you and I'm going to get your face I'm going to you know all that kind of stuff I was like your movie, you do what you want, sure. <laughs> Anyways, I came back, did that, and uh, so then Barbara comes out, and Andy's like, I was going to be in the movie today, but we're going to get his face in there. <laughs> so, uh, eventually we went over there, we filmed that uh, filmed that scene for like six plus hours, and basically over and over and over, James McAvoy would run through the carnival, and body check me out of the way so he can go into the fun house. Over and over. <laughs> it's actually a lot of fun. We had a good time, man. Uh, I get it. I kept bugging him saying, you can hit me a lot harder. Like, you're not doing anything. <laughs> so, he's a good guy, though. Really good guy. Very cool. Any other uh, fun stories from one or two? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, well, the young, the young actors, absolutely incredible people. Like, every one of those kids, which are now young adults, but back then they were kids. Every one of those kids, so well-behaved, such great manners. Um, uh, Jaden. That kid is an unbelievable kid. What a what a what a nice uh, young man he was. Um, I remember at the at the end of the second movie. So after the, the kids had finished and they had finished filming in here and everything, right? He actually came back over just to come in to say thank you for all the hospitality shown, right? And I was like, so I went out to talk to his mom. Thanks for raising such a nice young lad. You know, it, it, it was nice nice to see. So we had uh, we had good times with both the movies that way. Um, it was actually rather nice. So for the filming of the the second movie, the very first day of filming, it was just a couple of the young ones that were uh, that were doing their scenes around here. But basically, all the kids came in that day. It was their first day in. They hadn't seen each other for a while, you know, all that. So they're all hanging out in here. And then Bill Hader comes by, and he comes and sits with them. And he wasn't even film, filming that day, but he did it just to you know, meet all the kids and what a 
that was uh, that was pretty good. You know, I showed a lot of character for that one too. What a, another again, I had a good cast. Every one of those people individually, nice people. Um, I remember the one day when they were filming the other. So it was a Jessica Chastain uh, scene, and she was like running out in front of traffic or whatever, and blah blah blah. So same thing. I had this door closed up, and we were doing uh, we were using it as a classroom. So Jessica was hanging out in here, same with her her stunt double uh, stand-in. Uh, but I've got my piano. So Andy loves to play the piano. Really? Yeah. So uh, so Andy came in and uh, he started playing the piano. And then Jessica started singing. Darn good voice, by the way. <laughs> and uh, you know what? We had such a great time. And the assistant director, Craig, he had to come in and he was like, Andy, we need to film. <laughs> we were having so much fun. It didn't matter, you know. Uh, that that was a fun day. That was a really fun day. Um, what else? We all... I, we had the one day where this was Bill Skarsgård's uh, classroom as well. And that was different because we had to block off all the windows. Everything was black in here. You couldn't see out. Nobody could see in. And uh, and he did. And he used this place as that, too. That was a fun day, too. You know? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> pretty much. No, no, no. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having <laughs> no, us. No, thank you. That was fun. Appreciate it. That was fun. Yeah, we had a good time during both the movies. And, uh... I still stay in contact with Barbara and Andy. That's um, awesome. I, usually, I just message Barbara, and then she relays all the information over. Yeah. They are great people, and hoping to have them back again for the prequel. Nice. If there's a prequel, yeah. slash there will be a prequel. <laughs> there's always room for more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you. Thank Appreciate you. that. It's interesting to uh, to watch that and listen to him talk as a small business owner. Um, <laughs> And this is just kind of like the the goofball in me. How much did they pay him to close down? I wonder. Don't know. You think you know they obviously they're compensating him for the use of the space, and he's taken a hit if he's not open. So I mean, do you think that they're paying him well enough to make up for not being open? Maybe. You know, you At think the very about, least the experience would be uh, priceless when you think about these, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in movies and you don't think about that stuff. Yeah. But the reality is like for every location that you use, that's part of your budget. Yeah. Oh, interesting stuff. Yeah. I, I just think it's so nice to hear that, like, the actors are genuinely nice people. Nice people. Away yeah, from yeah, the yeah, screen. yeah. Gives you all the more reason, you know, to emotionally invest in the films there's enough stories of, of actors who are not nice people yeah, away like from you and I, we've been to the cons and the yeah, expos and whatnot right. and interacting with celebrities, you know, it is hit and miss. Like I call that a, a, I call that a canned experience because that's sort of the, you know what you're in for when you're going. Yeah. But even then it's no guarantee. No. I mean, some of these be, I don't want to say that they're bitter, but at the same time, is there a better way to describe it? Sometimes you go up to the table and the actor is having a bad day or you're having a bad day and the energy just isn't there. And next thing you know, you're like, that wasn't worth my 40 bucks yeah. or my hundred dollars or whatever. And autographs aren't cheap now. No, so just keep getting uh, more expensive. Yeah. Cool. Cool story though. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. On a side note though, Adam recently won a seat on the Port Hope town council. So oh, good congratulations for him. to him. Yeah. Congratulations. But back to our journey here. At one hour, 12 minutes and 27 seconds, we catch up with 
Richie Tozier on his way to the now defunct Capitol Theater. Uh, they'd papered up the windows, broke a couple for good measure, and the marquee reads, thanks for the memories, Derry. Uh, they also dressed the interior of the lobby to make it look like it'd been out of use for quite a while, complete with broken glass and vandalism everywhere. Going there now, though, you'd never guess it was ever in such a state. Again, I mean, the production is paying for that. Yeah. You know, we're going to break it. We got to ref- we got to yeah. fix it. And it's back to pristine condition. Yeah, of course it is. So. Next, we find the grown-up Bill Denborough at one hour, 17 minutes and 28 seconds in front of Secondhand Rose. It's the thrift store where he's reunited with his childhood bike, Silver. This is also the store where the author of it, Stephen King, makes his cameo appearance as the grumpy shopkeep. Finding its home at 45 Walton Street, the real-world counterpart of Secondhand Rose is Big Brothers and Big Sisters thrift store, Second Helpings. Fun fact, though, for me personally here, I used to work at the newspaper with a girl who's an extra in the movie. Oh, right. And you can see her walking across the street at one hour, 19 minutes and 17 seconds. That's cool. Both her and her daughter got roles as extras. Yeah. And they had to walk up and down the street for hours. Oh. Just to add that, you know, real world feel. Ambience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one hour, 31 minutes and 43 seconds, we finally get to see the fully dressed exterior of Keen's pharmacy. And just like the first film, the real world counterpart is still the Nooks located at 68 Walton. But they really went all out. Like not only is it just the signage, but there's window flyers and more. And if you didn't know better, you'd think it was an actual pharmacy. Oh, that's good. Then. This scene happens to be where uh, director Andy Muschietti makes his cameo appearance in the second film. And fun fact, back in the late 1920s, E. Bruce Hine and his wife Marion purchased 68 Walton Street and opened up Hines Pharmacy. Oh, wow. There's still evidence right in the front door where the words Hines Pharmacy are embedded in the floor entryway. Oh, it's, pro- it's uh, concrete, is it? Uh, tile. Oh, tile. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, and but still clearly visible. And yeah, yeah, yeah. In its history, it actually was a pharmacy. That's cool. At one hour, 41 minutes and three seconds, we return to the Dairy Townhouse where we find uh, Richie trying to make a break for it out the side entrance leading to the hotel parking lot. Uh, We also see a familiar blue Trans Am roll up in the first parking space on the road. And again, this is literally right beside the Carlisle Hotel. Right, right. For the last time on our list here, we're jumping back over to Oshawa at the corner of James Street and Eulalie Avenue. This time around, they didn't construct as much as they did for the first film. Oh, no. They still dressed a lot and like, you know, added all the dead grass, the fence. Sure, sure. Uh, They've added more abandoned cars, like the same cars that were there in the first one are still there. Oh, wow. But they've added extra. (laughs) This time, though, as far as the house at 29 Kneebolt Street goes, the footprint was replicated with scaffolding and green screen, but only the front porch was physically built. And it may not be as fully impressive as the first film. But it's definitely more economical considering the fate of the building at the end of chapter two. I mean, if if you're going to destroy a building, I mean, now there's a, there's a question. Do you do it or do you not? Think about the uh, was the model shot from uh, the first Independence Day with the White House. Yes. That was a, a scale model. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could have done it that way. True. But that given the success of the first movie, they probably had a considerably larger budget for part two yeah but there's scenes in here that kind of took up a whole lot more than that sure sure interesting the creative choices behind uh you know 
digital versus practical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, it's mentioned in the first film, and it was dressed for production, but we don't get a full-on front view of the Dairy Scoop ice cream store until Chapter 2. We do spot it quite clearly in the background of the next scene when the losers stare at their reflections, so this is as good a time as any to bring it up. The real-world counterpart is On Point Boutique, located at 9 Queen Street. Cool. Let me guess. It's not boutique ice cream either. No, it's uh, like <laughs> of course not ballet and dance and whatnot. Oh, wow. Okay, that's yeah. cool. For our last location, we return to 20 Queen Street at 2 hours, 38 minutes, and 37 seconds, and we join the remaining losers as they walk towards the downtown core. They'll stop and stare into the window of the City of Derry Tourism Office for one final group shot before they part ways. And uh, this is interesting because they redressed the Port Hope Tourism Office. Yeah. Full signage in the windows. And for this scene, they actually hung a giant screen over the street. So oh, they could really? get the proper lighting and reflection. Yeah, lighting is a huge. I mean, <laughs> our own studio lighting is a huge issue. <laughs> but before we part ways here, I did manage to speak with one more local with a really big tie into the film. So let's check that one out now. Cool. So, uh, can you tell us your name and what you do? My name's Miranda Lukanyuk. There you go. My name is Miranda Lukanyuk, and I do a lot of things. I'm like a Renaissance woman, but I work in film as um, an IATSE 873 technician in the special effects and costume department. I also have a talent agency, and an I'm an actress as well, member of ACTRA, but you can't be young and beautiful forever, so you have to do other things. Now, you had a chance to actually work on It Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, didn't you? Oh, yeah. It was quite a magical way that I got that job. It was totally random, but um, I was Pennywise the Clown's personal dresser for a costume, so I was in charge of his whole costume. Um, I helped a little bit with the building of the first one, sewing on those little beads around his wrists and, and a bit of the breakdown, but... Um, Essentially, my job was to take care of Bill Skarsgård on set to make sure that he wouldn't be too sweaty or too cold or, um, you know, we had to change the costume uh, to suit different times of the movie. So, uh, you know, we don't shoot the movie in the same order of what happens. So obviously, if you have to, you know, sometimes we shoot the end first where he's all bloody and dirty and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we have all these different outfits for him that represent the stages and I have to change those out um, and I know how all the buttons work and all that kind of stuff. Excellent. A few other people we've talked to have uh, mentioned that they didn't, they ended up with like a walk-on role. Did you get a walk-on role? Um, actually, no, because I was too busy doing my own job. However, my son got a little acting role in each movie. Um, there's a uh, a scene where uh, we're at Queenie's Bake Shop, and I remember I was there that day, um, and my son was like the kid on the headphones. So he was just like this little barefoot 1980s kid with a little tape deck listening, and the kids were talking in front of the stairwell, and in fact one of the, the actress came down, and ha he had to move out of his way for her to get by, and then in the background the whole conversation's going on, and there's my son is like listening to the Walkman and when the props guys handed it to him he's like what is this and I was like oh, oh. 
my heart. <laughs> now, you recently ran for election on town council. Yeah. And here's my hat. Yes, I, I used to play roller derby and I thought, you know, it's kind of an efficient way to get around. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that has all of my campaign videos and you can see me roller skating around town. I also had a campaign song that I sang for the election. Cool. And you've also got an upcoming movie. Yes, it's still editing because it just became into, a, it was supposed to be a short 10 minute film and then it became into a large feature film. Um, starring Kim the Killer Chipmunk. Um, the premise is uh, this lovely sweet town uh, that's been here for a really long time has uh, irregular, a, a strange uh, infestation of chipmunks every 10 years and in like the early 30s some strange factory that pumps out radiation made a little boo-boo and spilled stuff and a couple of the chipmunks mutated into these gaudily large chipmunks that hibernate every 10 years. And every 10 years, there are members of the community that are sacrificed and found headless. And people don't understand and don't know what it is, but little do they know. It's just a mutant chipmunk that hibernates every 10 years and collects human heads instead of nuts. <laughs> you gotta collect something for the winter. Yes, yeah, so it's starring David Pacini, Pete Fisher, George, I don't know how to say his last name, but he's Olympus Burger owner. And um, yeah, a whole bunch of other celebs. Ed White, who works at the appliance place. So yeah, there, there's a lot of local celebrities. And once I get this one done, I want to have prequels and sequels because there's so many people that want to be in the Chipmunk horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and I have, I have something cool to show you guys. This photo. This photo was the first photo taken on set um, for our camera test with Pennywise. I took this photo with my phone and I gave it to a local artist to frame it. He's a dear friend of mine and I printed a couple of those. Adam has one, George has one, a couple of people in town have one. And uh, I got it signed by Andy, the director, and Bill when we finished the job at the end of the shoot and I have this hung up in my house, so it's really dusty, but thought I'd share that with you. It's a very cool keepsake. Yeah. Where can folks find you on social media? I have a number of things on social media. I have Port Horror Festival, which is where we'll be screening the film. Um, we did a horror festival a few years ago before COVID and had a convention downtown. And, uh, I did a tour walk uh, of all of the real filming locations of Pennywise because I was actually there. It's so funny to hear what other people think, what happened where in town, but I can tell you, oh yeah, this is where we lost his shoe and we still haven't found it. You know, stuff like that. So if you want, I can give you a tour like that. Wonderful. Uh, and you can also find me um, Miranda.Lucanic on Instagram, which it's kind of hard to find my name, but Port Horror Festival would be the easiest. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. That lady sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, Miranda's cool. I know horror isn't your go-to uh, genre. No, best, no. But, uh, I cannot wait to check out Monk Mountain when it's finished.
Monk Mountain. Monk Mountain. As in Chipmunk. That's right. Chipmunk Mountain. Okay, Monk Mountain. Yeah. So if you find yourself in Port Hope, Ontario, and you decide to chase Pennywise for yourself, do yourself a favor and stop in at the Port Hope Tourism Office. Grab a copy of that Port Hope Walking Tour Guide. It's full of info and tidbits that any fan of the franchise would love to have. And if you can't make it there just yet, you don't have to wait. You can find them online at visitporthope.ca. You can find lots of information there as well as a digital copy of the guide. As for us, we'll be back again with another exciting episode of Fandom Power. From all of us here, thank you for coming along with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe and be sure to leave a comment below. From Fandom Power, I'm Andrew. And I'm Wes. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now.